When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we It's Thursday, March 4th, 2021, people. And if it sounds like I got an extra pep in my step, it's because I do. It is that time of year. It is my favorite time of year. And I don't think it was until I started preparing for this show that it struck me we are entering the final weekend of the college hoop season. This is just an awesome time of year. Conference title races coming down to the wire. I'm seeing locker room celebrations left and right. Conference tournaments are underway. We're getting daytime college hoops this week, which leads right into daytime college hoops next week, and I am so fired up. Here is what you need to know for today's show. You know I don't love breaking down games, but I will talk about three games specifically off the top. Villanova clinching another Big East title, but it did come with potential injury news that I want to keep you updated with as we get ready to fill out a bracket here in a few weeks. UConn, I think they are officially off the bubble. Third straight win. Excited for my Huskies, the present and the future with UConn. And finally, Oregon. There's a little bit of a love-hate relationship with me and Oregon fans, but they win and are in position to win another Pac-12 title. From there, here is the rest of the show. So we're going to open with those three games, about six, seven, eight minutes, hopefully not much more, a couple minutes per game. And then from there, we are going to do a meaty coaching carousel segment because it is that time of year. Coaching jobs are going to open. uh, Guys are going to change gigs. And I want you to be prepared. I want you to sound like the smartest guy at the water cooler. If anyone even uses a water cooler, I don't even know if you're allowed to go into the office. We'll talk about some interesting news out of Arizona where I actually believe Sean Miller, uh, his time might be taken at Arizona. Archie Miller, we talked about last episode, a little bit of an update there. Richard Patino at Minnesota. Some other jobs that may open up. DePaul, Iowa State. Who could be candidates? Who could leave? Who might be candidates but aren't going to leave? So fun segment there, and then we will wrap by previewing a really, really fun weekend in college hoop. All right, so as I mentioned, you guys know I don't love breaking down individual games. I mean, I don't mind doing it if there's a bigger, broader 
uh, conversation, right? Like if Michigan football loses, and I think Jim Harbaugh might try to sneak out the side door for the NFL, I like to talk about that. I don't love breaking down individual college basketball games. There's just so many. But I do think this time of year it's warranted and it's worth discussing. Did it on Tuesday with Baylor, West Virginia. And let's get into some of the results from Wednesday night. The big one. Villanova beats Creighton 72-60 to and clinches their seventh straight Big East title. First off, this has quickly become, I think, a really fun rivalry in college basketball. It's interesting because the Big East is generally an older league. It's a league where players stay for three, four years. They know each other. You'll watch this game. Probably about seven or eight of these starters were on the court when they played last year when both teams split the Big East regular season title with with, uh, Seton Hall. And so these teams know each other. Creighton gets the win in the first game. They don't like each other, and Villanova comes back and gets the win in the second game. They largely dominated. Now, Creighton went on a crazy 17-0 run in the middle of the game to keep things close. But in the end, Villanova does get the victory. Seventh straight regular season Big East title for Jay Wright and for his team and for his school. But there was some bad news. And that bad news is that Villanova starting point guard Colin Gillespie appeared to go down with what seemed to be a very serious knee injury. He went down in the first half. He returned to the bench for the second half, but he was essentially in sweats and in street clothes. And after the game, Jay Wright was asked about it on the FS1 broadcast, and you could see that he looked a little bit somber talking about Colin Gillespie, his future for this season, and what it means for Villanova. And what I would say is what it means is if he doesn't come back, I think you need to plan Villanova in your brackets accordingly. I'll I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't totally love Villanova going into the NCAA tournament, which is ironic because I picked them to make the Final Four in the preseason. I picked them to uh, play Gonzaga for the national championship. But the more I watch Villanova, this is a team that, with credit to them, I'm not trying to tear them down for any Villanova fan that might be listening, but this was a team that I wasn't crazy about even before this injury. They have lost – this is kind of an incredible stat – They've lost twice this year as a double-digit favorite. They've lost outright. According to my buddies in Vegas, they say if you're a double-digit favorite, you at at the very least win about 90% of the time. Villanova has lost twice as a double-digit favorite this year at St. John's and at Butler. And so I bring it up because when I look at Villanova, they weren't a team that I felt like was, even though they were going to get a two-seed or a three-seed or whatever, they didn't strike me as like, oh my God, they're going to blow through the bracket. I thought they needed the right matchups. I think they're a very fundamentally sound team, but I don't think they're like a super, super, super talented team that can overwhelm you with talent like the teams we always talk about, Baylor, Gonzaga, etc. And so now with this injury, you got to monitor it. I'll keep you updated, but if you see Villanova in that bracket, make sure to keep, uh, keep updated because I don't think this kid is going to play. It did not look good. Congratulations to Villanova on you know another Big East title but it obviously came with a caveat and obviously a frustrating night even as they beat an emerging rival as far as Creighton I don't want to spend too much time on it but I'll just say very simply this one they dealt with some off the court drama this week I'm not going to talk about it you can read about it if you want the coach said something stupid in the locker room the players understandably were not very happy but the coach apologized the players accepted that apology they moved on so I am ready to move on but what I would just say about Creighton is sometimes uh, let me let me put it this way 
Bill Parcells once said that you are what your record says you are. And I do think in college basketball sometimes teams kind of tell you who they are and it's up to you whether to decide to listen or not. Let me give you an example. This year, the Tennessee Vols, preseason top 10 team, preseason SEC favorite, love Rick Barnes. But if you watch them closely, you saw probably about the middle of January, there might be something not that right about this team. And eventually, at a certain point, Tennessee kept losing games that they shouldn't, kept playing bad teams closer than they should. They'd get a 15-point lead. It'd be down to two. They'd win by one. They'd lose by four, whatever. And I bring it up because at a certain point, Tennessee told you, we're not who you thought we were, and you need to move off of us. Go find somebody else in the SEC. Go start following Alabama or Arkansas or LSU because those are the teams that are real threats in the SEC. And so I bring it up because that is how I feel about Creighton in the Big East. This was a team that came in with real Final Four hype. As I just said a minute ago, they uh, they were a team that won the Big East regular season title last year, preseason top 15 team, and they've just been up and down all year. And I think at this point, they've told us, this is who we are. We're 17-7 and seven overall. We're 13-6 and six in the Big East. We have really good wins, including against uh, against this Villanova team earlier in the season, but we're also really inconsistent. We lose bad games to bad teams. We lost to Marquette at home. We lost to Providence at home. We lost to Georgetown at home. We lost to Butler on the road. And so you're talking about the bottom half of the Big East, the bottom five teams in the Big East. They have lost to four of them, three of them at home. And so Creighton's going to be one of those teams you see in your bracket. They have incredible talent, but if they have not put it together, if they have not put together a six, seven, eight game stretch where you just say, okay, this team is really good, I don't think it's happening. They will get into the NCAA tournament, I would guess, is probably like a five, six seed, but I do not love them going forward. Let's stay in the Big East really quick, and let's give a quick shout out to my UConn Huskies. Not a ton to break down here. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But UConn was a team, they have gone through about as much as anybody in college basketball this year. UConn, three separate COVID shutdowns. One of them, by the way, there were no positive tests. There was a ref that tested positive. UConn had to shut down. Then on top of that, their best player, James Booknight, who is going to be a lottery pick, he went down with an injury. And so UConn went from... Uh, I think college hoops junkies like me knew how good they could be this year. They get all the way into the top 25. James Booknight gets hurt. The, they, they sputter without him. He comes back a few weeks ago, and they're finally just starting to play up to their capabilities as they do beat Seton Hall at Seton Hall. Because of it, UConn clinches the number three seed at the Big East Tournament next week. But more importantly, they have won three games down the stretch here that they have absolutely needed to win. Uh, they have now won five out of six four out of five since James Booknight came back and they are a team that probably about a week 10 days ago they were on the bubble I think they're comfortably off the bubble but you talk about an eight nine seed that you do not want to see uh UConn is absolutely one of them they are a team that is playing really well and what has impressed me is when their best player again his name is James Booknight when he went out with injury other guys had to step up and now what you're seeing is a more complete team in UConn as a couple guys have really, really upped their games. They have a freshman big, big man named Adama Sonogo who just played his best game on, t on Wednesday night in the win against Seton Hall. Uh, uh, Tyrese Martin is a wing who has played really well. 
and R.J. Cole, a transfer from Howard, I believe. Howard or Hampton, I get those two schools confused all the time. They are all playing well, and that's why I'm really excited about UConn because they have a bunch of guys that are playing really, really, really well right now on top of their star player, James Booknight. Early in the season, they were counting on him to do everything. Now they have other guys stepping up playing well. I should give a, a shout-out to Isaiah Whaley, a senior who played well as well. And what I, was, what I would also say about UConn really quick, I'm really excited about the future because, as I said, this James Booknight kid is going to leave after this season, go to the NBA, but there are now other players on this roster that are comfortable in their roles, comfortable producing in Big East games. So R.J. Cole is going to be back next year. I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, Tyrese Martin, I just said. Adama Sinogo, I just said. They have a player named Akuk Akuk who is coming back from a major injury who will be healthy next year. So all I'm saying with UConn, I am really excited about them as an 8, 9, 10, 7, whatever seed that they'll ultimately be come NCAA tournament time. But I think I'm equally excited about the fact that most of this team, not I don't want to say most, but a good percentage of this team should be back next season. And I really do believe uh, that the future is bright for this program. I've talked about it pretty much since Dan Hurley's been hired, but I think the future is really, really bright for this program. Finally, I mentioned uh, UConn, all their COVID pauses, start stops, all that stuff. If there's one team that has dealt with maybe even more than UConn, it is Oregon. And so I want to give a quick shout out to Oregon. Oregon fans don't like me because last season I picked them to finish pretty far down the Pac-12 standings. They were awesome. Um, but <laughs> but they, they don't like me because I, I don't think, you know, I'm sorry, I don't think they're Coach Dana Altman. I think he's really good. I don't think he's Red Auerbach or Phil Jackson or anything. Um, but they they beat UCLA. Uh, they are now 13-4 and four and are in position to win the Pac-12 regular season title for a second straight time if they win on Saturday at their rival Oregon State. But I just want to give this team a little bit of credit because, like I said, there are a few teams that had more COVID issues than UConn. I just mentioned that a minute ago, but Oregon might be one of them. They shut down for three weeks, missed a bunch of games. They come back for one game and then had to immediately go on pause again. They lose coming out of that pause at Washington State. And since then, they've basically been unstoppable. They've won 9 of 10. They had injuries. A, a player named Will, Will Richardson, who is a guard, has also come back from injury. And so I look at this Oregon team, and I'm just telling you guys, you guys heard it on Wednesday night show, th Wednesday morning show, and what, I told, what did I tell you? I said, these are the four teams that can make a deep run that aren't going to be number one seeds. Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Florida State, and who was the other one? It was West Virginia. Well, add Oregon to that list because Oregon is a team. They're going to be a four or five seed. I think there's no doubt in my mind that they are a top 20 to 25 team right now. They beat Arizona and UCLA back-to-back. -back. They also beat Colorado the other day. Colorado, by the way, is a really good team trending in the right direction. So, yeah, big wins on Wednesday night for UConn, for Villanova, and for Oregon. Loaded weekend, which I will talk about at the end of the show. But like I said, man, it is just a fun time of year. So much college hoops going on with so much to come here over the next couple days. All right, let's transition out of Wednesday to kind of a bigger picture topic, and it's something that I promised you I would hit on, and that is the college basketball coaching carousel. Talked a little bit about Boston College when it opened up a few weeks ago. Talked a little bit about Archie Miller and Indiana the other day. 
But as these conference tournaments come to an end, as the NCAA tournament starts to unfold, we're going to see some movement on this college basketball coaching carousel. And I don't know how many jobs will open up because of all the COVID stuff, but I'm guessing more than you expect. And on top of that, more jobs will, of course, open up when other ones get filled. And so I do want to talk coaching carousel. And I want to start with a story that has kind of emerged out of nowhere, but is very quickly picking up steam. And that is what's going on with Sean Miller at Arizona. And if this was simply about, oh, you know, the FBI's been investigating him, who knows if he'll keep his job, I wouldn't be talking about it. But that is not why I'm talking about Sean Miller today. Instead, I am talking about him because I am hearing whispers, and there are growing whispers in the college basketball community. Sean Miller might be out this offseason, and he might be out very soon. Keep in mind, the NCAA investigation is still underway with uh, the FBI probe and all that stuff. Arizona is not in line to play in the postseason. They had that self-imposed tournament ban. So their season is done. And because of it, there are meetings going on in the coming weeks about Sean Miller's future at Arizona. And what I'm hearing, it's not good. And to kind of give you the full background, what I actually want to do is make a little bit of an analogy to what happened in football season. And if you remember in football, Maybe you heard, Michigan didn't do too well this season on the football field. Jim Harbaugh, his contract became a constant source of speculation over the two or three weeks after Michigan's season ended. And the reason that his contract was under such speculation was because of the fact that he only had one year remaining on his contract. In Jim Harbaugh's case, uh, he was working on an extension in the offseason. It didn't happen because of COVID. Out of respect to the school, he didn't sign a big, fat extension when a lot of people were, of course, so much struggling across the country. But then the season happened, he stunk, and him and Michigan were basically in a no-win situation. Michigan didn't want to sign him to a big long-term extension, and they certainly didn't want to pay him the money that he was getting at the time. Never forget, Jim Harbaugh has been making Dabo and Nick Saban money without the Dabo and Nick Saban results, and so eventually what came to the, 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 the two sides had to come to a conclusion and figure things out. They couldn't let Jim Harbaugh come back on, a, on his final year of his contract, and the reason why, for people who don't know, it's because it's basically impossible to recruit on a one-year contract. Kids are not going to sign up to play for you if they don't know that you're going to be there the following year or the year after that. Certainly, as Sean Miller gets set to recruit high school juniors and Jim Harbaugh as well, they want to know that their coach is going to be there long-term. And so eventually, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan were able to come to a resolution. It was, I believe, a three, four-year extension. The contract numbers went down as far as salary was concerned. And Michigan was able to keep Jim Harbaugh in the fold. Why do I bring that up? It is because Sean Miller is in a very identical situation at Arizona where he only has one year remaining on his contract, but the situation, of course, is a lot different. They are currently, as I said, under that major NCAA investigation. It may take up to another year until the NCAA actually figures things out, and you know where I, where I stand on this one. The NCAA should really get things going here because these schools and these kids and even these coaches deserve to have some answers, but it has put Arizona and Sean Miller in a very interesting place. Sean Miller, again, one year left on his contract, 
The school doesn't want to give him a long-term extension because, one, the results have not been there the last two or three years. Two, he may be in major, major, major trouble with the NCAA. And so Arizona's in an impossible situation. Sean Miller's in a situation where he's basically like, I ain't coming back if it's for one more season without a long-term extension or some kind of extension because I'm not going to be able to recruit. And so over the coming days, Arizona and Sean Miller are going to meet behind the scenes and try and figure things out and see what the future holds for the two sides. And what I'm being told is there's a very good chance that Arizona is going to tell Sean Miller, we're not giving you any more money. We're not giving you any more years on this contract, and you can either coach it out or we can come to some sort of resolution and get you out of here. And so what's really interesting as far as I'm concerned is that there are basically, I guess you could say in theory, four different options. Arizona could just fire Sean Miller with a year left on his contract. Arizona, as I said, could come to some sort of buyout with him where they don't call it a firing, where maybe it's technically a resignation and he gets some money but not all of it, similar to what happened with Greg Marshall. They could sign him, of course, to a long-term extension uh, or any type of extension that gives him a little bit more time. And, of course, they could also just, in theory, let him coach out this one-year deal on his contract. I don't see the last one happening. I don't see Sean Miller coming back for one more season without some kind of clarification that he can give to high school recruits in the 2022 class or uh, transfers that he is going to be speaking with over the course of this offseason. And so really, Arizona and Sean Miller are in a situation where they either got to figure out some sort of extension or they have to come to some sort of buyout agreement because I don't see the one-year deal working. What's interesting to me, though, is a couple things. First of all, let me just say what I would do. What I would do is give Sean Miller a short extension, okay? Say, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt, um, and we're going to believe what everything that you're saying about your situation that has happened at Arizona. We're going to let the NCAA play things out and determine what you did and did not do. I think this makes sense for a number of different reasons. First of all, this is actually what Will, did, Will Wade did at LSU. He took a short contract. Uh, he actually amended his current contract when, when this whole situation went down. And he basically put a clause in the contract that said if his school is found guilty of level one, level two NCAA violations, that he could be fired without cause. If I was Arizona, I would go to Sean Miller and say, look, here's the deal. We'll give you two more years. You can recruit into the future. But you get busted for this NCAA stuff. We're firing you without cause. You don't get a single dime and see what he does from there. To me, firing him right now or not bringing him back makes absolutely no sense. And let me tell you why. First off, you've stood by him forever. Never forget, this FBI stuff started in 2017 is when this FBI stuff started. You've had his back since then. You've paid him millions of dollars since then. And you've paid him, you've paid millions in legal fees to fight the NCAA. If you've stood by Sean Miller this long, why are you going to get rid of him? Especially, I would add, in this offseason for two different reasons. Well, three reasons, really. One, you'll have to pay him something, and in a pandemic, it doesn't make sense. You're paying Kevin Sumlin a massive buyout, the former football coach who got fired this offseason. And on top of that, Arizona has a really good team coming back. I think I talked about it on the podcast a few days ago. They, they have one senior who said he's not coming back who was a role player who barely played. His name was Ira Lee. Other than that, literally everyone on the roster could come back. They don't have any high-level prospects in terms of the NBA. Um, most of their players are foreign and have already kind of told the coaching staff that they plan on coming back. 
And so you have a chance to be really good. Remember, Arizona went 17-9 and this year, 11-9 and in the Pac-12. And so I bring that up to very simply say they were actually pretty good this year, all things considered, and considering the fact that they had some issues as far as injuries, as far as Jamal Baker, their leading scorer, not coming, uh, uh, getting injured. And there is a realistic chance that this team could come back almost intact. More importantly, even if you don't care about Sean Miller, even if you don't like Sean Miller, even if you think that he needs to go right now, think about the market that you're about to enter for a head coach. You're going to go into a market in the COVID era and basically ask a coach to take a job. And by the way, Arizona is a great job, but you're going to ask a coach to leave his current school or leave wherever he is at as a head coach, as a major assistant, as whatever. You're going to ask him to do that and come to Arizona when they're smack dab in the middle of an NCAA investigation and you have no idea and he has no idea what is coming. I just don't know what kind of head coach is actually going to be interested and willing to take the job in this climate. I'm telling you, Arizona, in my opinion, might be one of the five best coaching jobs in college basketball uh, when everything is on a balanced playing field. But as we all know, this is not a balanced playing field when you're under major NCAA investigation. And so because of that, I am telling you, if I was Arizona, give Sean Miller a short extension. Tell him, look, we're going to continue to stand by you. If you get busted for anything, you're fired, no cause. And if that's not good enough, you can quit because we ain't giving you anything else. Because to me, it just doesn't make sense to fire him in this climate, to not extend him in some sort, because you're in a situation where, again, you're going to be really good, and I don't know what kind of coach you can get in this market. If the NCAA sanctions had already come down, if you could fire Sean Miller without cause, if you could go get a Chris Beard, a somebody that's elite to come to Arizona, that's different. But I just don't think you can get that guy in this current climate. All right, really quickly, I do want to transition to the rest of the coaching carousel because if Arizona opens, that is a major, major, major domino. We will uh, address who might be interested in that job should the job eventually open up, but I think it'll be difficult. But I want to transition to the rest of the coaching carousel because I think it's going to be really fascinating. And I think it's going to be really fascinating for this simple reason. We keep hearing that buyout money is an issue, that schools cannot afford to pay these guys buyouts in, the, in this pandemic, in this world that we live in. I'll tell you this, as somebody who covers a lot of college football, and you guys know I love college football, uh, I don't buy it. If a school stinks and if an if a, if a, 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 a athletic department is frustrated with their players or with their, their current coach, I'm just telling you right now, point blank, that is not going to stop them from raising the funds necessary to get the guy out that they don't believe is the coach and get the guy in that they believe is the next head coach. So to me, I understand all this buyout stuff and I understand athletic departments don't want to pay a buyout if they don't have to. I don't know that I believe that a buyout will stop a school from making a move on a guy that they believe is the wrong guy for their program. And as we saw in football, you can raise that money. One booster can write a check and uh, they could get everything figured out from there. Listen, if Texas could pay 20 plus million to get rid of Tom Herman, if Gus Malzahn could get paid 20 plus million to go away, if Will Muschamp could get paid 10 plus million, these schools can find the money. Let's start with the one that I mentioned on Monday show, Archie Miller at Indiana. Listen, I don't want to oversell this thing. If you are like super into Archie Miller and what is going to happen next, I encourage you, go download Monday's podcast. I literally spent probably 15 minutes talking about it. 
I don't believe necessarily that Indiana wants to fire Archie Miller, but considering that they had another loss on Tuesday night, they are now 12-13 and 13 overall. They are going to miss the NCAA tournament for the fourth time. I would add Archie Miller, and I like Arch, uh, but he is a guy that this is now, he's the first Indiana head coach ever that is going to have four straight losing seasons in the Big Ten to start his tenure. That's a really tough sell to bring back Archie Miller. Now, there are a few ways that he can help himself. He can help himself by beating Purdue. Incredibly, he is either 0-7 or 0-8 against Purdue since he got there. He can win a few games in the Big Ten tournament. He can figure out a way to get into the NCAA tournament because I really do believe that Indiana does want to keep him and doesn't want to pay a $10 million buyout. But at a certain point, you might ultimately have no choice, to be perfectly honest. So when I look at the Archie Miller deal, I just sit there and say, I am just not sure that Indiana wants to pay that money, but I am not sure that they can bring him back if he doesn't uh, save something, do something to help himself over these next two, three weeks before Selection Sunday. Again, I talked about this at length on Monday's episode. Go find it. It's also on YouTube. I do want to get to some other schools. The first one that I want to hit on, Iowa State in the Big 12. And so, or actually, you know what? We'll get to Iowa State in a minute. I want to stay in the Big 10 and go from Indiana to Minnesota because I think Minnesota might be actually one of the most interesting situations in college basketball. Minnesota, a lot like uh, Indiana, was a school where we thought that about three weeks ago they were headed for the NCAA tournament. Believe it or not, they were, until this week, the only team to beat Michigan this season. Yes, Minnesota was the only team to beat Michigan. They also beat Ohio State. They also beat Iowa. And we're like, this team's awesome. Well, guess what? Coming into uh, Thursday night, Wednesday night, excuse me, they were 13-11. and 11. They had lost their last five, including to Nebraska and Northwestern, two of the worst teams in the conference. I think Richard Pitino's done. I think Richard Pitino is going to attempt to find another job to get out before they can fire him. But if they, if they don't, it's going to be tough to justify bringing Richard Pitino back uh, for another season at Minnesota. Ha, you know, uh, I, I bring it up, sorry, I tripped over my own words there, but I, I, I would think it'd be tough to bring him back. Keep in mind, two of the last three seasons, they have been under 500. They have made the NCAA tournament just once, one NCAA tournament win, and they're just a, a program that has been flatlining since he took over. Incredibly, this is year eight for Richard Pitino now, two NCAA tournaments. He was set to make it this year. I don't think he's going to make it. What's more interesting, however, is the list of candidates that Minnesota could potentially get. Let me just tell you right now, they are going to swing for the fences and they are going to go with a name that many of you are very familiar with on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. They are going to go after Eric Musselman, the head coach at the University of Arkansas. And many of you are probably sitting there thinking, why would Muss ever ever want to go from where he's at in Arkansas to Minnesota well one I don't think that he does but two what I would say is for people who do not know Eric Musselman's dad was actually the head coach at Minnesota for four years in the 1970s Eric Musselman spent a part of his childhood in Minnesota and I will tell you I was told you know long before um, you know long before Eric Musselman got to Arkansas that he really revered 
um, that Minnesota job. And I don't want to say he thought of it as Duke or North Carolina, but that he really loved that program. He loved his time in the city. Again, he was a young guy who grew up there, um, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, whatever it was. And he loves the city of Minnesota. Now, what I would also say, a lot has changed since then. And a lot has changed even since I heard this rumor about three or four years ago when he was at Nevada. Eric Musselman has gone to a Power 5 school. He is winning at an insane level. He is making as much money as Minnesota could possibly pay him. There is no dollar amount that Minnesota can offer Eric Musselman that Arkansas cannot match. I have never been to Arkansas, but I am told the facilities are as good as any in the country. The support is as good as any in the country. And I would also say on top of that, you guys know I love some SEC basketball. But to go from the SEC, where the bottom is really bad, we're talking South Carolina, Georgia, Vandy, Texas A&M, uh, Mississippi State, to go then to the Big Ten, where just about everybody is good, that's a tough sell to me. So he's going to stay at Arkansas, but that will be the first name that you hear, even though I don't think he'll take the job. Ironically, the second name that you will probably hear is Brian Dutcher, who is the head coach at San Diego State. And why would Brian Dutcher be interested in the San Diego State coaching job? Well, how about this for a little historical twist? You know who replaced Eric Musselman's dad at Minnesota when Eric Musselman left? Brian Dutcher's dad, Jim Dutcher. And so, of course, it will be, again, a history repeating itself kind of deal. My speculation would be that Brian Dutcher would not be interested. If you've never met Brian Dutcher, one, he's 61 years old. Um, two, he is like, he's been in, in San Diego since Steve Fisher got there, and he's like a SoCal bro. Like, I cannot see him bunkering down in the Minnesota winters after spending the last 25 of his, years of his life in Southern California. His kids are in San Diego. I can't imagine that he leaves. So that's the deal with Minnesota. If those two pass, which I think they will, my guess would actually be two other Mountain West guys outside of Brian Dutcher. Uh, the first one would be Nico Medved. He is the head coach at Colorado State. Colorado State is playing well. They're actually playing as I'm recording here. They are trending to be an NCAA tournament team. Nico Medved rebuilt Furman. He's rebuilt Colorado State, and he is a native Minnesotan who actually went to the University of Minnesota. He is who I would guess would be their first call. On top of that, if Nico Medved says no, I suspect the second call would be uh, Craig Smith, who is at Utah State. Utah State has made the last two NCAA tournaments. They actually won the Mountain West automatic bid, so they did qualify for the 2020 NCAA tournament that was never played. They're in position to get there again. Those guys are both young, dynamic rock stars. I think they would both do really well there. And if they don't get them, they're in trouble. I mentioned Iowa State. Let's get to Iowa State. This is the job that I feel like is the one I was talking about a minute ago from the perspective that, oh, you can't pay a buyout in a pandemic. Iowa State will. I really, truly believe it. That's just my personal opinion. But this is a basketball mad school that has pride in their program, and their program is flatlined. Their current coach, Steve Prohm, has been there for six years. The first two years were really successful when he's had Fred Hoiberg's players, and it's been really bad ever since. They have missed the NCAA tournament. This will be uh, year four of six that not only does, does Iowa State miss the NCAA tournament, 
but that in addition to missing the NCAA tournament, that they will have a losing record. This year is especially bad. They are currently uh, 12 or 2 and 19, excuse me, 0 and 16 in the Big 12. By the way, I don't know if I said that correctly. This will be, uh, this is year six for him. So, year three of four that they not only missed the NCAA tournament, but also that they're going to finish with a losing record 2 and 19. 0-16 in the Big 12, and I just don't think that the administration can justify bringing this guy back, even in a pandemic. I believe they'll get the money. The name there to watch for would be another Mountain West coach, T.J. Otzelberger, who is now at UNLV. T.J. Otzelberger was Fred Hoiberg's lead assistant at Iowa State many years ago. He has ties to that program. The fan base loves him. The fan base ties him to the best years of the, the Fred Hoiberg era. I think he would be the first call. If not, I think the other guys I just mentioned, Nico Medved, Craig Smith, would get a call. And Porter Mosier at Loyola of Chicago, I also believe, would get a call. Speaking of Loyola of Chicago, speaking of Chicago, let's go to DePaul really quick. Chicago, you like how I said that? Chicago. DePaul. They will be getting a new head coach this offseason. Their current coach, Dave Lato, does not have a contract buyout. Uh, he can go. They can fire him without paying him a dollar. He will be out. Their new AD, many of you know the name, Dwayne Peavy, came from Kentucky. Dwayne Peavy, he wants to make his mark on this program. I'll tell you, I don't think he'll ultimately be the guy. But don't be surprised if Kenny Payne, the former Kentucky assistant coach, gets a call here. He is now with the New York Knicks. I have no idea if Kenny Payne is happy in the NBA. But if he's looking to get back into college, I think Dwayne Peavy, obviously there is a natural connection between him and Kenny Payne from their time at Kentucky. Loyola Chicago's Porter Mosier would be the logical next guy to get that job potentially. He is, of course, in Chicago. I don't really know the layout of the city. I don't know if he'd have to move, but if he did it, would it be far? It'd be a power six job. He would be the guy that I suspect they go after. And, uh, oh, by the way, one name to keep an eye on with DePaul. I've heard Bobby Hurley is trying to get out at Arizona State. Bobby Hurley, of course, is from the East Coast. He's got East Coast ties played at Duke, from New Jersey, and he has real beef with his AD. You can look it up, but there was an incident between a booster and Bobby Hurley's wife. The AD kind of took the booster side. I'm not sharing any confidential information. That was public information that came out about two or three years ago. I've heard Bobby Hurley does not like it at Arizona State, and he's ready to get out. I think he's going to try to make a run at DePaul and also at uh, at Boston College. Boston College I talked about a few weeks ago. I would give Rick Pitino a call. I think they'd be in the top half of the ACC by year two the bottom of the ACC stinks Miami Georgia Tech Clemson whatever uh I think uh, Patino could have Boston College in the top half of the the of the ACC by year two but I suspect they'll go after Porter Mosier at Loyola Chicago John Becker at Vermont guys like that last one I want to hit on is actually already open it is the University of New Mexico New Mexico is kind of a weird job because in the mid-major ranks it's one of the better jobs in college basketball uh, in the Mountain West, which is probably one of the top tier, quote unquote, mid-major conferences, if you will, there's three jobs that everybody likes, thinks are, are the best in that league, UNLV, San Diego State, and New Mexico. But New Mexico is looking for a new head coach, and, and I kind of touched on a lot of the stuff with them earlier, but I do think this is a spot where Richard Pitino could try to sneak out the side door at Minnesota, land at uh, New Mexico, get there before they can fire him at Minnesota. Uh, also, in addition to that, an interesting name 
that has come up. Frank Martin at South Carolina. He actually, this is kind of crazy, he coached the current uh, New Mexico AD. Frank Martin coached in high school, and so there's the obvious connection there. The question, of course, is can New Mexico actually pay Frank Martin enough money to warrant him taking that job? I don't think the answer is there, but there is kind of some speculation that Frank Martin want, might want out of South Carolina because he himself is a little bit on the hot seat there. I don't know that they would fire him necessarily, but he's on the hot seat, so maybe that's a landing spot for him. If not him, I do suspect Tim Miles, the former Nebraska coach who now works for Big Ten Network and a bunch of other places, would be a name at New Mexico. But that's a really, really, really good job, man, and I do think the right guy could win there pretty quickly. So, yeah. Expect a busy couple weeks on this college basketball coaching carousel, and I do think it's going to be busier and more jobs are going to open up than people expect. As I said to lead the segment, I just go back to college football, and we heard all June, July, August, September that there was no way all these coaches were going to be fired, 0% chance, and then sure enough, college football carousel season hits, Gus Malzahn out, Tom Herman out, Will Muschamp, Kevin Sumlin, Lovey Smith out, and I do think it's going to be very similar across college basketball, so look out for all the stuff that I said. I'm sure all of those jobs won't open up, but again, Arizona, Indiana, uh, Minnesota, all of those jobs are going to be interesting to watch, and then of course the dominoes that come with it, because of course when a school hires a coach, sometimes a sitting head coach, another school has to go ahead and replace him when he leaves. So busy couple weeks for the coach carousel. But before we get out of here, I do want to do what I have done the last couple Thursdays. And that's just kind of give you a quick look ahead to the weekend ahead in college hoops. And the last weekend of the college hoops regular season is always great. This year is no exception. And this year is going to be extra good for a few different reasons. The first one is a lot of these conferences have actually redone their schedules to get extra games in. So on top of all the really good games we always get, we're getting extra games this week and this weekend across college basketball. So we'll break down individual games momentarily, but just as an example, Baylor actually still has two games left in the regular season as I record here late Wednesday into Thursday. So if you listen to this on Thursday, Baylor still has Oklahoma State at home on Thursday, and they still play again on Sunday against Texas Tech. Uh, Michigan and Michigan State are playing twice on this final regular season. So a lot of good games. And then on top of the extra games, we also have a couple conference tournaments that have tipped off. Uh, and on top of that, a couple conference tournaments have actually been moved up. So as, it's, as it pertains to the college basketball weekend preview, let's start on Thursday because you know what Thursday is, people? It is officially daytime college hoop season, baby. The best time of the year. They say it's Christmas. They say the Masters is a tradition un unlike anything other. No, 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 no. Daytime college hoop season is where it's at, and it starts on Thursday. How about this? 11 a.m. Eastern time. The Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament tips off by technicality. Two games were played on, on Wednesday, but the main bracket opens up Thursday. And I'll say this for the A-10. A lot of really good teams, a lot of really interesting teams, a lot of teams that need wins to either get into the tournament, solidify their tournament berth, and it's just going to be a fun tournament. And so if you're in front of a TV, if you're working from home, uh, many of you will not even hear this before, uh, you know, before the games tip off. But 11 a.m. Eastern time, 
Richmond tips off the A-10 tournament. Richmond, of course, is the team that won at Rupp Arena. They beat Vandy. Solid team. Uh, they tip off at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. I'm actually going out to Vegas doing some work for VEASAN this weekend, and uh, I will be in the sports book probably about 8, 8.30, watching that Richmond game. From there, we get Dayton, Rhode Island at about 10.30, 11 a.m. Eastern uh, Pacific time, which would be about 12, 12.30, uh, 12.30 in the afternoon, Whatever it is. No, that would be... No, I'm, do, I'm doing the math wrong, but it's about 2.30, the second game. The point I'm trying to make, we get daytime college hoops on Thursday, which leads into a loaded random Thursday slate. First of all, as I mentioned, Michigan and Michigan State will play twice on Thursday and then again on Sunday. So the first one is in Ann Arbor, and I think we all know what's at stake in this one. Michigan State trying to make this last-minute NCAA tournament run. They beat Ohio State. They beat Illinois. They beat Indiana on Tuesday night. Now they get another chance against Michigan. Of course, Michigan themselves is coming off just their second loss of the season. Obviously, I would lean Michigan there at home. I expect a nice bounce-back game from them, but Michigan State, to their credit, is playing pretty good basketball. Also, same time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Oklahoma State Baylor. What did I just say? And when I look at teams, and I talked about this on Wednesday's show, that could potentially make a run that are outside of that top, top, top tier, I do think Oklahoma State is it. They're playing really well. They've won six of seven. They swept Texas Tech. They're the last team, it's worth mentioning, they're the last team that beat Arkansas. Arkansas has basically been unbeatable over the last two or three weeks. Uh, they play at Baylor, and I'm just curious how Baylor responds after that emotional overtime win in Morgantown. Also on Thursday night, uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Texas, of course, had that awful, not awful, but disappointing loss to Texas Tech. They're just 2-2 two and two in their last four, need to bounce back, need to get a win. They play an Oklahoma team that needs a win in their own right, who, of course, they lost on, what was it? Uh, Tuesday, Monday night. It was Monday night. They got swept by Oklahoma State over the last couple weeks. So Texas, Oklahoma on Thursday. And then if you feel like staying up late, WCC Conference Tournament. What do you know about Portland? What do you know about Santa Clara? The WCC Conference Tournament tips off. First games are on Thursday night. The last tip will be after midnight Eastern. So we're getting 2 a.m. college hoop season, baby. Uh, WCC opens on Thursday, Friday. Once again, all day hoops, don't hate it, not going to complain. St. Bonaventure, the best team in the A-10, they will have their first A-10 conference tournament game. Also, the Missouri Valley tips off at noon Eastern time. Loyola of Chicago, the number one seed there. So get the channel changer ready or get the dual screens ready at noon Eastern on Friday. We got double games, conference tournaments. It's awesome. Other than those conference tournaments, a little bit of a quiet day on Friday. And then Saturday, we get the traditional last game of last day of the regular season. South Carolina, Kentucky tipped the day off early. Kentucky obviously trying to get any type of momentum going into the SEC tournament. Georgetown, UConn, we obviously talked about UConn a little bit earlier. They need this win to continue to solidify their NCAA tournament hopes. Oklahoma State will be back on the court against West Virginia. Talk about a way to end the season at Baylor at West Virginia for Oklahoma State. Um, Illinois, Ohio State, probably the best game uh, of the uh, of the afternoon. Two top ten teams, really fun, really exciting. Obviously, Ohio State has to get back on track. They have a couple losses coming into this one. 
Uh, Duke, North Carolina, not sure if you heard, pretty good rivalry. Both teams at this point in desperate need of a win. Duke, of course, coming off the loss to Georgia Tech. UNC coming off the loss to, uh, to, uh, to Syracuse. Sunday, by the way, I should mention a lot of makeup games as well. Florida, Tennessee, Wisconsin, Iowa should be a fun one. We get the second Michigan-Michigan State game. And oh, by the way, a little Texas Tech Baylor. Little Mac McClung versus Jared Butler. Hope you have fun. Hope you enjoy. It's going to be a good one. All right. I've talked long enough. It's Thursday. I got to leave for Vegas first thing in the morning. So I am going to get out of here. But before I do... I want to thank you for listening to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you're not subscribed, now is the perfect time to do so. It is going to be a bananas march, a fun march, a march unlike anything we've ever done, and it is going to be a blast, so make sure that you are subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. I've said it before. I'll keep on saying it. Uh, Make sure you're following on the YouTube channel as well. All the good stuff from this show ends up on the YouTube channel. Uh, But that's really it. Fun show, busy show. Uh, A lot of coaching carousel stuff. A lot of Thursday, Wednesday night college hoops. And what I'll say is this. I'm about to get out of here, but enjoy these next few weeks. I always argue the conference tournament times in many ways are even more fun than the start of the NCAA tournament. So enjoy your daytime hoops on Thursday. Enjoy your daytime hoops on Friday. That is all. I will be back on Monday to, frankly, preview the conference tournaments. But that's all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. And I will be back on Monday to preview the conference championships. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply